Hi, Mike Gibson, Mort Kern, coming to you live from Sky 2017. Mort, you just gave the Hildner Lecture, a 30-year journey through coronary physiology. Walk us through your journey. Well, this, uh, this trip started uh, when I was a fellow at the Brigham. Mm -hmm. I was in the cath lab with Bill Grossman, and he suggested I measure coronary sinus thermodilution blood flow and do some cold pressor testing, mm -hmm. neither of which I'd ever heard before. But we went mm -hmm. ahead and did these studies, and I learned about coronary physiology, and I started to get involved with measurements. And uh, soon after my experience at the Brigham, I realized there was another and better way to measure blood flow through Doppler. Mm -hmm. And I took a job in San Antonio at, uh, with Bob O'Rourke and, and a young man in the cath lab named Kent Richards who had a Doppler Sones catheter. And what year was that? This is 1985. 85, 85. Yeah. So I, And angioplasty had just uh, taken off. I'm right. sorry, 82. 82. And I left in 85 for St. Louis. So in 82, uh, I came out of fellowship. Angioplasty had just been initiated. They were measuring pressure across the uh, balloon catheter. That's how we measured success, right? That's right. The gradient, that was the resolution of the gradient. He was the first interventional coronary physiologist. Yeah. And he measured success that way. However, the technique was kind of uh, poo-pooed because the equipment was poor, fluid-filled lumens didn't give good pressure, mm. and it didn't match with the angiographic appearance. And so mm -hmm. people said, no, I believe my eyes. I believe my eyes. Right? I believe my eyes. So I was still interested in measuring coronary blood flow. I got my hands on a uh, Doppler catheter, and then a Judkins Doppler catheter was built. And then Menonassi in 1991 came to my cath lab in St. Louis and said, do you think there might be any use for a Doppler-tipped angioplasty guide wire? And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, well, yeah, maybe. So I put the wire through my own Judkins Doppler catheter, realized that I could measure flow everywhere with this Doppler wire, mm -hmm. and that I've just obsoleted my own equipment. Yeah. And I said, I think we can. Well, within two years, we developed a field, a body of knowledge on Doppler flow, coronary right. flow reserve, beyond stenosis, and collateral flow, and vein grafts, all over the place. And we put together a symposium. And uh, over the next several years, we continue to publish and write on the use of coronary flow reserve. And I thought this would be the best tool for lesion assessment. And in parallel with that development, Nico Pills and Bernard de Brun came up with the pressure sensor guide wire. Mm -hmm. And I remember at a Hart House meeting in Europe in 1996, we had a little debate. Nico presented his theories and formulas on FFR, and I presented my position on uh, CFR for lesion assessment. And at the end, Nico said, so what do you think? I said, Nico, you, you had me beat. Yeah. And I said, uh, but nobody can understand those formulas, so why don't we do this? They're killing me. Just make them simple. Show them a picture of a syringe, a guide wire, and the FFR, PDPA, that's it. Mm -hmm. And we can sell that. Mm -hmm. And after that, the, the field started to take off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 96, he published his uh, validation paper in the New England Journal with the three stress tests, the FFR threshold of 75, and the results afterward, and then that, that subsequently led to the clinical outcome studies of DEFER and FAME and FAME II. So outcomes became linked to physiology. Mm -hmm. Assessment of lesions became very important, at least in our practice. Mm -hmm. The dependence on angiography became much less, or should have become much less. And then about uh, five years ago, uh, we were at the uh, 2012 celebration of the FAME family of studies. And I asked Bill Fearon and Nico and Bernard and uh, John Hodgson and, and Ted Feldman, I said, do you think there's any role for this IFR, this resting ratio right. business? Right. And to a man, we all said, no way is this going to work out. It's just not possible. And Justin Davies, who developed the IFR technique, had come to me 
and said, showed me the data. I said, well, look, you gotta, if the clinical studies prove this to be true, then I'll, I'll admit I made a mistake once, but I, I thought I was wrong. Right, right. So he was very smart, very persistent, very high quality scientist out of Imperial College. Mm -hmm. And he and his colleagues put together the IFR studies, the instantaneous wave-free ratio. They challenged the FFR. They had about an 80% concordance. They did their clinical outcome studies and they just produced their non-inferiority trials uh, using a cut, single cut point of 0.89. Presented this non-inferiority data at the ACC March 18th this year. Right. And uh, it really stirred the physiologic community. So I think we're in really a wonderful time in, in coronary intervention and coronary physiology as we link these studies either at rest or with hyperemia to the best outcomes. And what's next? So I think next we're going to be looking at uh, non-invasive modalities like CT FFR mm -hmm. and uh, angio FFR and OCT guided FFR to do a more non-invasive, so to speak, non-invasive method of measuring the physiology. I think the FFR CT truly within the next five years is going to become more available, perhaps a better business model, uh, better validation data. It's already pretty good. It's about 80% concordant with invasively measured FFR. Mm -hmm. uh, that will do what? That will lead to fewer unnecessary casts. Mm -hmm. you, uh, certainly if the angiograms are negative, the CT angiograms are negative, you don't need a cath. Right. Those with intermediate lesions or some other lesions are going to have an FFR assessment. Mm -hmm. So that'll be good. If they're negative, you may not need to cath. Mm -hmm. If they're positive, you can go into the cath lab with a pre-identified plan, game plan, plus use the FFR in the lab for additional lesions or questionable areas that you might have encountered. I think the FFR CT is going to be a, a winner. I think the angio uh, FFR concept has some legs as well, but it needs a little more work because if you use angiograms to produce the FFR, the data will only be as good as the angiogram. And we know that the angiogram will always have some limitation. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Mort, congratulations, and we all owe you a debt of gratitude as the father of uh, physiology here. Thanks for that walk down memory lane, and uh, thanks for advancing the field, and thanks to all of you for joining us here live from Sky 2017.